to the Nolan Podcast, Nolan's Weekly Podcast. I'm Anazak, Editorial Director at Nolan. This week, we wanted to make sure that we celebrated and honored all the veteran franchisees um, for Veterans Day this week. So today I'm bringing a conversation for you that I recently had with the franchisee from Moran Family of Brands, as well as the president of that company. So for those who aren't aware, Moran Family of Brands actually counts 14 U.S. veterans among its 120 franchisees. They've been enlisted in the Army, the Navy, the Air Force, Marines, as well as the National Guard. And Moran has made a real commitment to supporting veterans and making them a big part of their company and their brands, which you'll hear more about. So in this conversation, I spoke with Pete Baldeen, like I said, president of Moran Family Brands, to discuss the company's commitment in adding veteran owners and employees and the value that they bring. I also spoke with Dean Bingham. Dean has been with Mr. Transmission for 46 years. He's owned uh, various shops in the Southeast during that time. You hear more about his military experience, but it started in 1962 with the Air Force and he did his basic training during the Cuban Missile Crisis, actually. So I hope that you enjoy this conversation, learn a little bit more about what a great fit veterans can be for a ton of different positions in your shop and also how you can support them in their you know, various endeavors. Again, a special thank you to those who have served and we hope that this podcast honors you a little bit. Pete, do you want to go first and tell us a little bit about who you are? Uh, sure, sure. Um, thank you, Anna. I've been um, I've been in the franchising industry um, since 1980. Uh, <laughs> I started out uh, running the first Jiffy Lube in the country in Salt Lake City when oh, the wow. first formed, um, and was with the company for ten years when we went from that one store to 1,100 in a ten year in a ten year period. And when I left, I had 550 stores in half the country um, under me. Uh, Then I um, uh, got into um, the glass business for about 10 years. And through uh, a couple of mergers and acquisitions, um, ended up um, as vice president of Safe Light Auto Glass, which is the largest uh, auto glass company in the world. And in 1999, I got recruited by a search firm to um, uh, join Moran Family of Brands, Moran Industries at the time. And uh, that's been my home ever since. Um, I started out as senior vice president in 2014. I became the president. Um, And uh, I I just, uh, you know, I've got, you know, people like, Dean Bingham here on the phone, who's, you know, one of my franchisees who uh, has become, you know, one of my closest friends over the last 20 plus years, you know, so um, I just um, love what I do and and, uh, love helping our franchisees and um, uh, couldn't have more fun than I do going to work. I love that. That's so cool. Um, Dean, you know, I read that you've been with Mr. Transmission for 46 years, but before that, it also sounds like you had a really interesting military career. Um, And as 
the veteran on our call here. I was wondering if you could tell everybody a little bit about your military career first. Well, I went into the service at the age of 17, and uh, that was during the Cuban crisis. Some people may or may not remember that. And uh, after graduating, I, do, I remember. <laughs> <laughs> What'd you say, Pete? I said I remember it. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, you remembered if you was any for that's a really exciting period in time. We don't want to go through that again. That's for sure. But after graduating, I wound up uh, graduating basic and. and tech school, I wound up going on my first tour to North Africa to a 58th Air Rescue Squadron, which covered some of the first flights that the astronauts made around the world, mm. one of them being Shepard. I covered that uh, that uh, particular shot from Aden, South Africa. I was stationed in Willis Air Force Base, North Africa, and went through Lebanon down into Aden with our rescue squad. And we covered it from down because they didn't know exactly where he might have to come down. So they was covering all the spots around the world. That's, that's why we wind up doing that. Uh, I was over there for 18 months and traveled pretty much all the Eastern over into Italy and France and Germany and Aden and Malta and, uh, Malta and so forth. Uh, more places I can count. Uh, Lebanon, that's before they had the war and it was just, uh, it's just a good place to visit then. And, uh, after 18 months, I came back. My next tour was Charleston, South Carolina. I came back and got married. That was 1964. And uh, I was back about a year, and I got uh, orders to go overseas. And I got orders for a place called Udorn, hmm. and that's in Thailand. Hmm. And, and I got there, and I'd been there not off couple of months and then I went undercover up into Vincent Laos. Uh, up there we didn't carry nothing but civilian ID, no military ID. It was all hush hush. Of course, uh, Time Magazine broke that open after I left there about three months after that. But we were supporting all the combat over the Ho Chi Minh Trail and uh, going in behind uh, flights that had been made and AOD and the ordinance people dropping stuff to go back in a week or two after the what's called path at Lyle, that's like the Viet Cong, would move out and we'd all work as a team and removing uh, the ordnance that didn't explode and checking the planes that went down, see if they was worth salvaging and so forth. And uh, and after about eight or nine months uh, of, of that experience, I came back down to Udon for about a week, or maybe two weeks, and shipped back to, uh, to Charleston. And uh, that's where I finished my career up. I was a, I was a hangar chief for all the equipment that goes in the plane. And uh, I think they're trying to sweeten me up so I'd re-enlist, but it didn't work. <clears throat> and uh, I got out in February 1970. And uh, after I got out of the service, I, I welded for a while. I took welding classes while I was in the service. And I welded for a while, maybe five, six months, and. And after that, I went to uh, truck driving school and became a truck driver for Chevron Oil Company for about two and a half, three years. And after that, I sold some insurance for about a year. And uh, and I answered an ad that Mr. Transmission had in the paper. It says, opportunity to own uh, to, to, uh, to make $25,000 a year. And uh, 
I took my patent leather shoes and my clip-on tie and my steering roebuck <laughs> suit and went in there for that ad. An old boy named Jim Strong interviewed me. And I remember, he'll tell you if you call him today, he's still alive. I said, if you don't harm me, it'll be the biggest mistake you ever made. <laughs> and, and, and he didn't he didn't make a mistake. He hired me. We've been good friends ever since. <laughs> and the business has been good. I started out as a manager in 75. In 77, I had the opportunity to become a franchisee in Warner Robins, Georgia. We had Warner Robins done making. I was there and uh, for a period from like 77, 78 through like 82, 83 was uh, probably one and two in sales most of the time and uh, went through a divorce in 84 and some of that went downhill from there <laughs> and uh, went to Valdosta for a while as the owner down there, stayed about a year and then I, I heard that the center in Greenville, South Carolina was up for sale. And when I came up here, he had two uh, two foreigners from India, Surjit and Sang owned it. And uh, I looked at their paperwork, and they was doing like 180, 109, tick- 180, 109 tickets sponsored and doing like $8,000 and $9,000. And I said, well, you know, if they can do that with, with that many tickets, I ought to be able to look better than that. So I managed to buy them out with the home office's help. And uh, first month, we done 36000 So So... Uh, that's what got me started into this area that I'm in right now. And after about three, three and a half years, I built the store and well, two years, I built the store in Spartanburg, which my oldest son's in now. And a year later, I built Greenville, South Carolina, which I'm in now. Uh-huh. And uh, I've been here ever since. And my, I guess you could say my greatest fear is not being able to do this anymore. So uh, uh-huh. this is my life. I love it. And I'm, maybe I'm crazy, but I won't stay that way. <laughs> Oh, that's so awesome. And thank you for your service too. I should, I should mention, um, if you, if you picked up on the, on that, um, Dean's son, also a franchisee in the system. That's so cool. And his daughter, um, (laughs) worked for us for several years. Um, I I brought uh, Pat in and my brother in in hospital, I brought him in in 19, 82 about Ronnie and my brother in Columbia. I brought him in in 1981. And then I had a brother-in-law that was in for a while. And, uh, they, uh, I think went through the divorce and that ended that. So indirectly and directly back over the years, uh, I don't call myself responsible, but I, I say that, I, I influence people, mm-hmm. uh, that through me and my family have joined the company and it's grown quite considerably and I've made a lot of friends. It's like one big family. And it can't many people say that about a business. It's yeah, absolutely. Business. Definitely. 20, 20 years ago or so, uh, Dean asked me to uh, come to his daughter's graduation at Clemson University. And um, I did and was super impressed with her. And she had a uh, master's in training and education and um, ended up hiring her as her as our director of training okay oh, um, you you asked me to did did you mind if i hired her and what did i tell you <laughs> i think, yeah, I think you know. told me i think you told me i'd be stupid if i didn't <laughs> i actually told you that's between you and her she makes her decisions Oh, I like that. (laughs) But um, then she got promoted and became our VP of operations for a number of years. 
And she is very well known in the automotive industry. She's actually very, um, uh, very active with Ratchet and Wrench, has been a speaker there many times. You know, yeah. so uh, so Dean's had quite an influence. Uh, it's part of the reason I wanted him to be on this interview is because Dean's had quite an influence uh, on, on our system and on, uh, you know, on the industry in a sense. Yeah, absolutely. So, Dean, I wanted to ask you, um, you know, one thing that I've noticed about anyone that I know that's been in the military is that the, the skills and kind of qualities that are instilled in you from your time in the military seem to really stick with people. Um, and it seems to be a certain level of leadership and integrity that those people just always maintain throughout their lives. Can you talk a little bit about what the military instills in you as a person and, you know, why that makes someone a good hire, even if they don't maybe have experience in auto repair, let's say? Well, they, they mold you. I went in when I was 17 and they basically remolded me. It sounds crazy, but your whole line of thinking changes. Uh, you you don't you quit looking at seven and eight hour days because you a lot of times you're working twelve hour days, and uh, you're working in some uh, some critical circumstances, and you you learn to adjust to that. So things are changing all the time. You don't go in and sit down and this goes on and same thing next day and blah 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 same thing. It's something different all the time and it's a challenge all the time. It's it's not come in and things as usual, it's always a challenge. And sometimes that challenge is just staying alive in itself, but um, it, it keeps you on your toes and it, it creates persistence within most of the people's been in circumstances because everything else is kind of second rate that you've been pushed that hard for that long. So that, that's what motivates me and drives me. Yeah, absolutely. Do you remember, like you said, you went into the military when you were 17 and you must have still been quite young when you got out of it. Do you remember what those couple years were like after you got out of the military um, before you found the career that you're in now and just um, why it's important to give those people an opportunity? Well, I, when I got out, I got out uh it's quite a change it's it's all it's a shock when you've been yeah. in the military for uh, the length of time i was in and come out it civilian life is a shock it's totally different and and adjusting that it takes a while most people won't just jump in and and, and adjust to it well it takes a while to kind of adjust to it when i got out i was i was extremely motivated and when you're motivated, it means you're hungry, all right? And I was hungry, and uh, I was living in a single-wide mobile home and welding that first few years. And uh, after going through welding and those other jobs I had, I was looking. I always took a job, and I took a job. I Like the last, one of the last ones I had was Chevron, old company driving a truck. I just couldn't see myself bouncing up and down in that seat for the next 40 years. Mm-hmm. Uh that's the same old thing, same old, it's, it, it gets boring real fast. And I said, if I ever took a job and I worked in it and could see myself doing it after 40 years, I said, that would be what I'd want to do. 
And uh, when I came into the company, uh, that challenge was there. And uh, the challenge has always been there. And it's, 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 uh, it's a good feeling to know that you can do something and do it well and be rewarded for it, not especially from somebody giving you a little brass plaque, but with what life gives you back, uh, the people that you assist along the way. When you see them successful, it makes you just, it's sort of like watching a child grow up if you've got a child in your home. And mm-hmm. a lot of people go through life and never experiencing that, and you keep on searching for it. You keep mm-hmm. on searching, trying to help somebody to get that feeling over because you're addicted to it. I mean, that's I'm addicted to it anyway. So uh, that's that's what makes it click for me. Yeah, absolutely. That's really cool. And I mean, how lucky that you found that. Um, I I was wondering too. You know, it sounds obvious, but from what my understanding is, is that people veterans are also really phenomenal team members because of the relationships that you form with the other people um, around you in the military and how closely you have to work with everyone. Can you talk a little bit about that too? Well, of course, the, the military, a lot of people think it's all saluting and popping your toes together and all this stuff, but it's not. It, uh, especially when you're doing, uh, when you're going in places like uh, uh, Vinci and when you nobody's in uniform and that happens a lot more than people realize, you, you become extremely close and I can't say it's the same as these old boys that go down in the foxholes like in World War II or some of these boys over in, yeah. in uh, Iran and Iraq and some of these other places that lost limbs off the body. But th- though I know from friends of mine that have been there that they are extremely close, closer than they are to the family. And uh, you have a tendency when, you, when you're in a position like that to create relationships that just never stop. They just go on forever until, you know, you cease to live, I guess you could say. And and it's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. Very good. Yeah, absolutely. And Pete, I wanted to ask you, like I mentioned at the beginning, Moran has had a lot of commitment in adding and helping veteran owners and employees. Like I mentioned, your partnership with VetFran, you work really closely with Veterans Affairs offices. Um, there are a lot of different things that the company as a whole does. And can you talk about where that commitment came from and, you know, why you stuck with it? I'm assuming because you've seen a lot of value that it brings. Well, we definitely see a lot of value and we see a lot of uh, characteristics in veterans that make good business owners and good franchisees. Okay. So we have always had a commitment to want to encourage, you know, veterans to join our system. Okay, Um, and we've had very good luck with the veterans that are in our system. They're, you know, they're all outstanding franchisees. I mean, I can look down the list of our veterans and uh, there's not a single one of them uh, in our system that is not a uh, excellent franchisee in in several different ways, you know. So um, so because of that, you know, we've got. uh, a commitment to bringing in veterans, um, not just as franchisees, but also as employees. Mm. Okay. And um, so we, for the franchisees, we are part of the vet friend program and we give them a $5,000 discount off of the franchise fee. Okay. But we also um, 
have a very active employee veteran recruiting program. So when our franchisees notify us that they need a they need a R and R man or a transmission builder, I've got a guy on staff here that he immediately goes in those markets. Every market has, you know, veterans affairs offices. And so we've learned that if we establish relationships with those veteran affairs offices, that we can then recruit veterans as employees. Okay. A lot of, a lot of franchises focus on trying to recruit veterans as franchisees as, as a lead source. Right. And that's, and that's good, but let's face it. A lot of the veterans that get out of the military are still young guys. Okay. And they don't have a lot of money. Okay. But they may make great employees. If they worked in the truck pool, if they worked as an aircraft mechanic, if they worked on heavy equipment, they've got the skill set, you know, that we need in order to make good employees. So that's why we focus a lot on the um, on the veteran recruiting uh, program, uh, both for franchisees and for employees. Um, our system. Uh, and it has uh, 17% of our franchisees are veterans. Mm. Okay. But in addition to that, we've got about 6% of our managers that are veterans, 11% of our uh, techs and builders that are veterans. So when you put all that together, you know, the franchisees, managers, and technicians, 30% of our system are veterans. Wow. Wow. And that, I think, really demonstrates a genuine commitment. It's not one or two here. It's 30 percent. That is really significant. We Those numbers will change because this week we just signed um, a husband and wife team in El Paso, and they are both veterans. They actually met in the military. Oh, wow. That's so and, cool. And uh, they just signed their license agreements this week to join our system. So we've got uh, uh, both the husband and wife that are veterans that are that are uh, coming into the system this week. Definitely. So for other shop owners that might be listening right now and are interested in making a more concerted effort to form relationships and hire veterans, what are the best steps that they can take? Is it forming relationships with oh, their local veterans affair office? Oh, I'd say they should do nothing at all and not worry about it because then they can leave all the veterans for us. <laughs> nice. We'll, we'll take them. <laughs> oh. Oh, you know, I think that you have to understand, uh, too, Anna, uh, particularly with what's gone on the last several years, you know, overseas, um, that there's a lot of pros uh, with recruiting veterans. There's also some things that uh, because of their experience and PTSD and things like that, that you need to understand and you need to be sensitive to and you need to be prepared to help them through those kind of issues because a lot of them have them today, you know? Um, so, uh, so if you're not going to um, uh, be willing to put out the effort to help a veteran that might have PTSD issues, you know, then you probably shouldn't be recruiting them. You yeah. Know? 
Pete, on that note, I've got a gentleman uh, that comes in here every week. I've known him for about five years now. He's a triple Purple Heart recipient. Wow. And uh, we don't zone in on the negative stuff, but over the years I found out he was forced to carry his the bodies of his buddies out in Vietnam. Mm. And, uh, and that really is what tore him up pretty bad. But we don't focus on that. I keep him distracted on positive things. Uh, matter of fact, he needed a car. I put him in a car about a year ago. Uh, he comes in to need something. I fix it. Uh, and he, you know, he'll say, well, you know, I just can't pay. I said, you've already paid it. Don't worry about it. Uh, mm-hmm. but there's, there's a lot of joy in dealing with people like that because they're so deserving mm-hmm. and, uh, and they need the help, and some of them don't get the help they need. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of them don't. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think that's a really great note to end on and a great reminder, too. So thank you. And thank you both so much for your time and for being willing to share your insights. It was, I think, a very insightful conversation. Thank you. Thank you, thank you for having us, Anna. We yeah, absolutely. The opportunity, yeah. It's something that we're very passionate about. Um, and uh, so we, uh, we're glad to be able to get on and talk with you about it.